On September 29, 2015, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation hosted a seminar titled The Emerging Trend of Collaboration in Disaster Risk Reduction, Experiences from Chinese Non-Governmental Organizations. Panelists included representatives from the Shanghai Administration Institute, the One Foundation, the Amity Foundation, and the China Foundation for Poverty Alleviation. The discussion was moderated by Zhang Chiang, Associate Professor and Associate Dean, School of Social Policy and Public Policy, Beijing Normal University. This event was co-sponsored by the Program on Crisis Leadership at the Harvard Kennedy School. To learn more about the Ash Center, please visit ash.harvard.edu. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Ash Center for Democratic Governance and Innovation. Uh, my name is Arne Howard. I'm the executive director of the uh, center and also uh, the uh, faculty co-director of the program on crisis leadership, which is one of the sponsors of this afternoon's program. Um, we're really lucky to have with us uh, an outstanding group of uh, Chinese foundation executives, and they are led by uh, Professor Zhang Chang. Um, professor Zhang is, the, is uh, a professor and vice dean at the um, Beijing Normal uh, School of Social Development and Public Policy, uh, which is one of the very finest schools of public policy in China. Um, and uh, he's going to introduce his colleagues. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it's, it's, it's my great honor to be here again. Uh, actually, uh, Professor Ang is my mentor, uh, so uh, thanks a lot for, and uh, uh, David, thanks a lot for the house hosting us. It's, uh, it's like, it's a, it's a great opportunity for us to learn from United States experience. Uh, we try to how to engage, how to involve NGOs, participate into this uh, disaster response. So I, I think, you know, you hold uh, many stories of the Chinese story from uh, our president Xi Jinping in, in New York, in, you know, in Seattle. I think it's a uh, many story, but today in Boston, we will deliver another, I mean, another kind of a story from NGOs, from Chinese NGOs, how to participate into disaster response. Uh, there is a scenario from the Nepal. We just finished the, uh, assessment about the NGO, Chinese NGO's participation, I mean, in the response to Nepal earthquake. So as you know, it's a, oh, yeah, we have, we, we send a team to, to field, to understand, to, to you know, to communicate with, with the, the local people, to understand what can we do, what did we do, I mean, the impact. So as it's a, you know, catastrophe, damage a lot, at the same time, you know, many international and Chinese NGOs participate. So you can have a look. Uh, you know, uh, those uh, colleagues from very famous foundation, but at the same time, there were a lot of, I mean, grassroots NGOs. Now, send a team to help the rescue relief a lot of social service, directly or indirectly. Uh, we got a very, you know, positive feedback from UN because, you know, uh, three, I mean, those uh, uh, grassroots NGO uh, rescue team uh, played as a, a formal, I mean, a member of the UN system. We also have some, you know, it's, uh, we did uh, some case study about uh, 
how this uh, this uh, uh, grassroots NGO play. Uh, we got uh, some international uh, NGO as uh, strategic partners. Uh, we got some uh, positive, I mean, feedback from the from Nepal, from uh, Chinese side. So it's uh, it's like a new phenomenon because it's uh, you know, as you say, it's uh, we have some uh, I mean characters about this response. So the speed, the scale, the professionalism, uh, how to use the ICT, how to cooperate among the NGOs. And of course, how to cooperate with the Chinese, I mean, government teams, government agencies uh, in Nepal. Uh, how to use the international standard of the humanitarian. Because it's, as you know, it's, uh, for us in China, we, we, it's not so popular, I mean, use those uh, humanitarian the concept framework. So today, our story will focus why and how. So we will have uh, three colleagues from three different foundations. Uh, from that side, Shale, uh, he's the director of the Yusbas uh, uh, team, uh, Wang Foundation. Uh, Wang Foundation, Jiali Initiative. Uh, yeah, welcome. Second, from Amity, Amity Foundation. Amity Foundation is a faith-based foundation in China. Uh, Tan Hua, uh, the director of the program. Uh, another foundation from the, the China Foundation for Poverty Elevation. Uh, Mr. Wang Pong, the director of the Disaster Relief Program. Welcome. Uh, we also have uh, a Chinese scholar, but Currently, he's a waiting scholar here. I think uh, he will give us uh, some comments from both uh, domestic and international. So, uh, Professor Dong Yu Hong from the Shanghai Administration Institute, uh, welcome. Uh, you know, how to voice voice is very important. It's uh, our takeaway from this morning, I mean, the session. So, it's, uh, may I introduce my colleague from the Save the Children China office? Uh, the director for disaster response. Uh, I'm leading on disaster and emergency uh, in China program. Uh, Fang Xiaowen, welcome. Thank you. Because Xiaowen will be the interpreter. It's very important. My first time, so <laughs> busy. <laughs> welcome, Wang Pong. Give us uh, the introduction about uh, his work. Uh, so I will use Chinese. First of all, I want to thank you all to come and attend this meeting and to listen to us and share our story about how Chinese NGOs participate in international humanitarian work. I'd like to uh, take this chance to introduce how uh, the foundation I work with, China Poverty Alleviation Foundation, uh, come, up, uh, come through a long way to develop our international programs. So uh, first of all, China Poverty Alleviation Foundation has been set up in 1989. Uh, in that year, actually, we see this as the first group of NGOs or foundations set up in China. Uh, so our foundation has four main, main areas of working scope. Uh, not, uh, they are education, livelihood, health and hygiene, and disaster relief. Uh, in the poverty alleviation area, 
um, China Poverty Alleviation Foundation is the one of the biggest organizations in China. And uh, in 2014, we have reached a total of 2.95 million people who are either living under poverty level or affected by disasters. So um, for me, it's an interesting story of how our foundation goes out of China and to deliver international programs. And we call this is a process of internationalization. And it's a decade for us, which we put that into three phases. So the first phase is from 2005 to 2009, which uh, we call it an ambitious and passionate period for us to go out of China. So there are two main stories happening in this period of time. Uh, first of all, we have established a strategic relationship with Mercy Corps, which is the international organization. And the second story is that in 2005, we all know that uh, uh, Katrina has hit America. And um, we actually started out fundraising and campaign work in China among the public and corporate. It's a little bit interesting story that uh, in the uh, fundraising for, to respond to Katri uh, Hurricane Katrina, we actually have successfully raised around 300 USD in China. And uh, the 200, uh, 300 USD equals to around uh, 2,000 yuan, our China currency. And uh, for the um, China Poverty Alleviation Foundation, they have received more than 2,000 pieces of uh, posts online to criticize this fundraising effort. For them, they got more criticism rather than the funding itself. And why did this happen? Uh, we think um, in China at that time, the public actually didn't understand our um, effort and action because they think China is a, has a large poor area uh, inside our own country, and it's also very disaster prone. So why do we do not uh, support our own uh, people in China and we fundraise for, uh, to, to help people in the US, which is the most developed country in the world. And um, for us, we think, what should we do in such a circumstance? And um, the China Poverty Elevation decide to uh, persistent. So for them, uh, it's a word, persistence. Uh, we give a very Chinese definition to this period of time, uh, which literally means uh, we um, kind of play a little bit outside China and to do our first international program uh, in other countries. So in this period of time, we also have done two important uh, actions. Firstly, we have set up a standalone international develop development department in our organization. And we also put full-time staff in the department. And uh, secondly, the environment around us is, uh, has begun to change. So the China's corporate uh, started to pay attention to this international aid. Uh, for example, such as uh, China Petroleum has donated 600,000 USD dollars to our foundation uh, to set up a hospital in Sudan. And this hospital finally became the best hospital in Sudan now. But we still have two problems out of these actions. And number one is, uh, although we have moved out of China and did have done this uh, project, but we don't know how to continue 
our efforts. And after this uh, hospital establishment, we have completed our project, and we don't know how to move forward. And secondly, in China, the bigger environment is still very challenging. So although some of the corporates have started to realize the importance of international aid, but others uh, still remain conservative. What's next for us? Persistence. And the third phase for us is from 2015 into future. And uh, for this uh, phase, we want to do continuous breakthroughs in our international programs. And we also want to take root in some uh, awesome countries, foreign countries, and to run long-term programs. So in this phase, I also have three small stories to share with you. And firstly, uh, we have responded to the April Nepal earthquake, and we have deployed 30 to 40 staff who have fully participated in the response and relief process. And we still have our project there going on. Um, and secondly, we have set, uh, we have our international programs implemented in Sudan, Ethiopia, Myanmar, Nepal, and Cambodia. And we um, expect to continue our programs in these five countries. And thirdly, we have formally set up offices, our overseas offices in Myanmar and Nepal, in which will help us to continue our effort in these two countries. What is the future for us and for uh, China Elevation Foundation? It's just one word, persistence because we believe persistence will bring changes. We will welcome Tang Hua, another story. Welcome. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, it's an honor to be here to introduce M&T and our work to you. Uh, MD Foundation set up in 1985, like Dr. Zhang has, has mentioned, we are a faith-based organization in China. And we were set up not only to meet the needs in China, but also to serve as a channel for people-to-people -people contact and sharing of resources in all around the world. To meet the goal, MT have, has been practicing step by step. Uh, in the first stage, we are a recipient. What does it mean? It means that MT we got found, we got principles, we also got ap approaches from our overseas friends. Most of them are also faith-based organizations in all around the world, including uh, the North American, the US of course, uh, uh, the Europe and the Pacific, in the, uh, etc. Uh, in that stage, uh, we focus on poverty alleviation, rural community development, uh, HIV AIDS prevention, uh, healthcare, uh, and disasters uh, in China. Uh, and thanks to the help from all the overseas partners, we achieve a lot. Yes, I, I should admit that we are one of the players of the, uh, China's development. Uh, however, that's just a, a part of our goal. Uh, through our developing, MQ was more and more thinking about what we can share and contribute to the world. Yes, we have gotten a lot from the world, but what we can give, that's what we are, we are thinking about. 
uh, along with this thinking, MT started its trial uh, since uh, the year of 2009. During the period of 2009 to 2014, uh, MT implemented both humanitarian and, and development projects in the Philippines, North Korea, Kenya, and Madagascar. Uh, here, I'd, I would like to take the Madagascar project as an example to show you what's MIT's role in, in such projects. Uh, actually, the Madagascar project is a biogas project. It's not, it was not initiated by MIT. It was initiated by one of our overseas partners called Norwegian uh, Norwegian Mission Society. It's also a faith-based organization, of course. Uh, because they uh, saw the uh, needs of the biogas project in Madagascar, and they tried to find a partner, a, a partner to manage this project, and they finally chose Amity as their partner. And the reason why they chose Amity is because of three, uh, three sectors. The first is because the biogas technology in China is much mature, mature and better than that in Madagascar. And the second reason is very simple. It's because Amity is the only partner, uh, only partner that they have in China. And the third reason is that MT has implemented the biogas project in China for several years, for many years. So we have both biogas project management experience and also the whole project management experience. Uh, so back up to the formal question, what we can give, what we can share and contribute to the world. That's the, uh, that's the answer. In our second stage, it's technology and our project management experience. That's what, what we can share. But I should say that the fund during that, that stage, the fund uh, were not from empty ourselves. They were all from uh, our overseas friends, and uh, some, also from, or some were also from the Hong Kong government. That's not our own funds. Uh, like what uh, what uh, uh, Wang Peng has mentioned, it, it was hard at, at that stage. To, it was hard to uh, raise funds in uh, from the China publics. Uh, this year we come to our third stage, that is a humanitarian and rehabilitation project in Nepal. Uh, as I said just now, MIT never used our own fund to, the, to work in, in overseas because it was hard. Uh, but for Nepal relief work, the fund is from China publics. MIT raised the fund through the internet and social media in China. And during the work in Nepal, MIT worked with our old partner, the Actor Alliance which is a worldwide alliance for church and faith-based organizations. They have totally 140 members in all of the world. Uh, they also have a local partner network in Nepal. So we work through that, uh, that, uh, local, part that local network in Nepal. 
MD served as facilitator and a volunteer in Nepal. We uh, work together with the local communities and the, uh, the local NGOs to, uh, to conduct our relief, uh, emergency relief, uh, uh, recovery, and rehabilitation work. So in one word, we are just starting. Uh, we are still learners, but we are not alone. We have friends from all around the world, uh, including you guys, and as well as the China publics. Thank you very much. It was a significant shift from a recipient to a very important I mean, founding member of the international network. So next uh, panelist, uh, welcome Shale from Wang Foundation. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'll speak Chinese. I'm honored to be here and to share with you about our organization. Uh, first of all, I'd like to start with some statistics. In the year of 2014, there were a total of 4.47 million individuals donated to our foundation. And um, there are a total of 32,321 volunteers participating in our projects. As you might already know, that one foundation has been set up by Jet Li, who uh, is a very famous um, uh, film star, and also who is the survivor from the 2004 Indian, uh, Indian Ocean tsunami. And because of the um, Indian Ocean tsunami experience, he has uh, been becoming very interested in philanthropy work and also has established the foundation in 2007. Jet Li has um, brought up two ideas or visions to our organization at the very beginning. Uh, one is uh, one person donating one yuan per month. And the second one is the world is one big family. Uh, the internalization strategy of one foundation has been, we can categorize them into three steps. In 2007 to 2010, our international work has been led solely by Jet Li, who is also playing as a role model for the organization. So uh, led by uh, Mr. Jet Li, we have responded in Myanmar, Taiwan disasters. In the second phase, starting from 2010, uh, in the second step, we have started to be more professional, and we started to build relationships with more professional organizations. And um, we also responded in disasters outside China through those partnerships, and, and we started to focus more on children. In the, the third step is, uh, is one foundation has taken real actions uh, on the on the ground. So um, I think we, uh, in the third step, we have uh, put ourselves to be more professional and more focused. Uh, be more professional, meaning we uh, want to attach more to our strategy and also to promote uh, everybody should participate into charity work. And uh, the second um, one is focusing. So the focusing for us is to focus on children and to be more professional on uh, responding to children's needs and to delivering child-focused uh, projects. On the one hand, we have search and rescue teams. Uh, 
So in two thousand in uh, December of two thousand twelve, uh, our rescue and search and rescue teams has responded to the earthquake in Myanmar. And to be a professional organization focusing on children, we started to co uh, collaborate with more professional and international organizations, such as in two thousand twelve, we have partnered with ADPC Asia. A disaster preparedness center to respond together to the flood uh, in Thailand and domestically starting from 2012 we have uh, established strategic relationship with Save the Children in China and together we responded to uh, a number of disasters domestically and um, in 2015 we also responded to the Nepal earthquake through Save the Children partnership. And in this year's response to Nepal earthquake, we have, together with the, the children, set up 32 child-friendly spaces in the most affected areas. And we also have distributed a huge amount of materials uh, to the affected population. And uh, our response is still ongoing, and we expect to support children in affected areas uh, to um, become to recover from the disaster. And all our work builds on our strategy and vision that everyone should participate in the charity and philanthropy. Um, and one foundation is playing as a platform for these efforts. Thank you. Thank you very much. When I work, worked with uh, Chen Li, uh, he always remind us uh, the one foundation is a dream about a global I mean, family. It's not a, just about a China. Uh, you know, family, I mean, it's, a, it's very important, I mean, the, the NGO's role and the volunteer's role are doing the response to the disaster. But at the same time, we will face uh, some challenges, how to work with different NGOs, how to work with, I mean, government, how to work with so many volunteers. So we welcome uh, next panelist, Professor Dong Yohong. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm a Vietnamese scholar here at Asia Center. Uh, I, I want to try to uh, express my own idea in English. Um, because I'm here for a month, so maybe English is isn't fluent. So, uh, just just now, three persons, three speakers are experienced uh, practitioners. They maybe they have a lot of experience about an NGO. I'm a teacher in Shanghai uh, part school. About uh, my top my top my research program focus on. Uh, crisis management. So, uh, after after listening the speech, uh, three speeches, uh, I I want to have a simply comment comment. After that, we we can make a conclusion. I want to express the the idea of, uh, with four words. First of all, achievements achievement. Maybe the the NGO uh, have gained a lot of achievements in China recently. Yes, uh, just uh, like uh, uh, Mr. Wang and Mr. 
in China, I, I learned from newspaper, there are about uh, 600,000 NGOs now. Maybe there are six, 68 million employers uh, participating in NGO in China. Uh, so, so the first word is achievement. The second word is hard. Just uh, like uh, uh, speech said, uh, it's very hard when the NGOs grows, grows up, grows up, when they meet a lot of uh, difficult, uh, especially in China from uh, last century to this, this year. Maybe it's very shortly. Uh, the third, the third words I express it. Uh, I, I, I want to say it's a challenger. It's challenger. So the, uh, the NGOs groups meet a lot of challenges in China in the future, maybe. But the, 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 the first, the word uh, I, I want to say is uh, bright. The future of NGO in China maybe is very bright. In, in local government or central government, uh, uh, provide a lot of policy to excite, encourage NGOs development. So I, I believe, it, believe in the future very, very good. So I call, of, call a lot of persons to participate in the NGO in China. Uh, I, I, I just uh, express my opinion um, after hearing, after listening the three speeches. Uh, so now I have a presentation about uh, government and uh, NGOs uh, in China. This uh, content uh, about uh, the relationship between government and uh, NGO, uh, because uh, as last year uh, we had a meeting, an conf uh, international conference about uh, topic how to, uh, how to come uh, coordinate, co collaborate between chi China government and uh, uh, NGO. My, my speech, my presentation about three parts. The first, uh, necessity of government uh, and NGOs cooperation in emergency management, emergency management. The second part is about challenges of cooperation. The third part, the third about recommendation of how to increase effective rules of NGOs in emergency management. I, I especially in emergency management area. So the first, uh, just like uh, what uh, the as the speaker said, uh, the NGOs make made a lot of achievements. So in China, uh, the social management, the NGO is a necessity of national part of the, the social power. So necessity of the government NGO cooperation emergency management. First, uh, the com the complexities of emergency management raised demands for NGOs. Uh, as you know, there are a lot of accidents and disasters and uh, social safety accidents in China. So if we if rely on government, maybe it's very difficult to solve it. So we need NGOs' power to support government management. Second, Emergency management needs a contribution from the whole society. Um, in this part of the emergency management is a complicated works to 
society. So, so the, 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 the task need, need sensitive peoples and the government or sharing the uh, tasks. The third is uh, NGOs have their special uh, advantages, the special advantages, because they are uh, active, they are full, there are a lot of specialists in area, different areas. Yes, from these three parts of the, the advantages, so I said it's very necessary to China, local, local government or, or central government to need, need, need NGOs. The second part of the presentation about challenges of cooperation in, in China. First is lack of government recognition of NGOs. A lot of people know in China the NGOs, the speed of development of NGOs is very slowly. Uh, at last, uh, last, maybe last year, last uh, century. Uh, there are a lot of reasons, maybe, uh, maybe from government attitude. The, maybe they did, didn't believe in the NGO's uh, power. Uh, another is, uh, uh, in a society, a lot of people didn't, didn't uh, realize the power of NGO's. The second is, uh, effective communication between governments and NGO's, especially in the during the risk, uh, during the emergency management. Uh, some some leader of organization told me uh, in the, uh, during the earthquake rescue, uh, the, the government uh, behaved to guide, command the organization NGO to participate in participated everywhere. Uh, but uh, uh, the leader of uh, uh, NGOs didn't uh, didn't. Uh, uh, wouldn't uh, uh, wouldn't gain the rule, uh, so it's uh, very difficult to communicate. Communicating the third is lack of invention in structure for NGOs from the government. Uh, in China, the uh, government inhabited uh, to uh, command everything everywhere, maybe uh, in management of NGOs. So, uh, how to management? Uh, how to how to manage? How to communicate? Uh, NGOs is a new task to government. Third, insufficient support from the NGOs. Uh, in China, a lot of NGOs is very small. They need one need a lot of power to support, but uh, a lot of government officials didn't recognize that. So it's uh, maybe a lot of challenges to uh, NGOs development. So. Uh, from the from the the fourth reasons, uh, I I will make a design make a dis, uh, policy decision in the future. So I I I provide this provide us four 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 measures recommendation of how to increase effective rules of NGOs in emergency management. First of all, increase recognition of government to NGO, uh, including such research, research, uh, all the research society to recognize and uh, uh, encourage NGOs to development. 
Second is improve uh, policy design to facilitate the use of NGOs. As, as you know, if, if you encourage an NGO, you must provide a lot of policy to support them. The, the policies uh, such as how to reduce the tax, how to the training the uh, organizations leader, uh, and so on. Third is establish a cooperation mechanism. Because it's a very new problem to government, so the government must try best to how to uh, communicate, how to cooperate with uh, NGO is uh, maybe the challenging problem to government. The third, how uh, is 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 the faith in the cooperation. Uh, just uh, believe is important to cooperate. First, finally, to NGOs to play in. Increasing there in the experience area. Uh, as from Chinese, uh, from Chinese uh, crisis management examples, uh, a lot of NGOs exert a lot of function. So, specialist, specialist, specialist advantages in the uh, uh, NGOs so to important use to government. Six. The six is build and evaluate capacity of NGOs. Maybe uh, a lot of researchers uh, suggest uh, government should uh, provide uh, provide policy to how to how to uh, evaluate or how to build the NGOs. Uh, but uh, what 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 is said is very what said is very easy. It's if you if you want to do it, maybe it's a lot of difficult to us. So uh, I after the conference, we make a lot of investigation to uh, NGO and uh, communicate and leaders of NGO. I find it's uh, maybe the new task to local and central government in China. Uh, but uh, I believe. I believe in the truth of the uh, NGOs. The future in in China is very bright and is very good. Uh, that's all. Thank you. I think we've heard some very interesting ideas this afternoon and some very interesting um, uh, uh, forecasts about what the future holds for Chinese NGOs. Um, uh, as I listened, I heard uh, interesting comments about the uh, motivations that have led Chinese foundations, uh, Chinese uh, NGOs, to begin looking uh, to both to uh, provide domestic uh, disaster risk reduction and response, uh, but also to look uh, overseas. And certainly this parallels uh, the general uh, opening up of China to overseas investment, to participation in international organizations like the WTO and a variety of ways in which China is beginning to uh, play a major role on the world stage. We also heard some of the developmental issues that these NGOs have faced, um, getting themselves organized, uh, raising money for uh, their uh, activities, some of it from overseas, some of it from domestic sources, uh, legitimating the role that uh, NGOs have uh, playing, uh, playing in disaster response in China, 
uh, coping with some of the restrictions that the Chinese government has placed or obstacles uh, that exist. And uh, we can watch, I think, something that's implicit in what was said today, but not explicitly talked about, is watching the adjustment of the government on the one side and the burgeoning NGO sector on the other side uh, to find the places where NGOs can operate with few restrictions and where uh, there still may be some restrictions on what kinds of activities and they can undertake both domestically and abroad. Um, I think there are a couple of next steps that have not been talked about as much as they might, uh, particularly for overseas um, activities by NGOs. Uh, the first of them is um, the uh, development of relationships uh, in the international community that would allow uh, both Chinese and uh, that would allow Chinese NGOs, and I should say this applies also to Chinese government and military participation in international aid, allow those entities to integrate better with the international community. Um, when um, my little team was in Nepal in August, uh, interviewing senior Nepali uh, officials, one of the things that several people said was that they were very grateful for Chinese help, but that China sort of stood aside and was not thoroughly integrated into the overall UN system. Um, I think, and they wondered why that was the case. And I think some of it is simply um, the lack of experience that uh, Chinese uh, responders have, both the NGO sector and the government sector, uh, particularly the military, in integrating into these international operations. And I think we heard about the, from um, our presenters about how in the NGO sector uh, there's really a, a learning curve that is being climbed very steeply, but where um, the organizations have not yet gotten to the top of that learning curve. Uh, another issue, I think, is the um, that is part of this issue of integration into the international community is uh, participating in some of the systems that have been developed internationally. The cluster system, which to some degree the NGOs did participate in, but still not fully integrated. Um, and uh, increasingly, I think, uh, Chinese NGOs, uh, like American NGOs and others, have to learn how to deal with the varieties of cultural um, and political conditions that they find in places that um, where they go to offer assistance. And part of the, uh, part of the uh, learning that is involved in providing that assistance comes from uh, a deeper appreciation of how to adjust their behaviors and adjust their uh, goals for, um, uh, and, and policies uh, to take account of cultural differences in the places that they go. Um, I think the um, emphasis that uh, was placed on working in the immediate area in um, Southeast Asia and uh, with Nepal South Asia uh, is a logical extension of China's activities. Um, no one mentioned, I think, also um, an important uh, byproduct of this kind of activity it's motivated by humanitarian desires to uh, recognize that there's a world community and that suffering people need help no matter where it comes from. Uh, but it also is potentially a very uh, useful so source of soft power for China uh, to be able to show a, um, uh, a commitment to being involved in the uh, um, world community 
uh, for altruistic reasons um, and will increase, I think, the perception of China as a mature power acting on the world stage. Uh, so I was very glad to hear these presentations and to learn much more, as I did, uh, from them. And um, we look forward to staying in touch here at the Ash Center with the efforts that all of you are engaged in um, and watching the further development of uh, Chinese NGOs being involved in disaster response. And also, uh, for Q&A session, we have to do a consecutive translation. Hello, uh, thank you very much uh, for the wonderful um, panel and uh, presentation. My name is Rosie. I'm a recent graduate from uh, Mid-Korea MP program. Um, understanding that in the humanitarian um, communities, a lot of the organization actually is faith-based. Um, so I'm wondering, in, in this context, how China to balance the relation between humanitarian um, freedom of religion and uh, um, citizen participation. Um, so I hope that uh, um, some of the panel is able to answer this question. And also, I will, I'm wondering how this um, humanitarian uh, disaster relief um, initiative has been incorporated with the One Belt, One Road um, initiative um, in the government, um, in the central government level. Thank you. Uh, I would like to answer the uh, part of the first question, actually. I think part of, part of not, not the whole picture. Uh, because uh, from my side, I'm the practical side, actually. Uh, so from my side, the, uh, because we, we are a faith-based organization in China, and uh, we, uh, we work in China and also overseas. Uh, and from my perspective, uh, the China government, also the, the policy, uh, now it's uh, actually uh, from the very beginning, from our the year we, we set up, it's difficult for us, actually it's difficult for us to uh, implement projects in all around, or, or in, in, in all the areas in China. Some local governments were not uh, understand why we were there and uh, why we, we, we why did we do such, such so, so many uh, so many uh, uh, how to say uh, charity or the developmental works in their area but now it changed it has changed a lot uh, also for the for the uh, for the overseas work in, in China uh, for, for the overseas for faith-based uh, organizations in China uh, the government didn't show any Permission, right? Not permission. Permission to show any regulation or uh, not allowed. There's no such policy for us. We are freedom to go to uh, overseas countries to do our uh, development work. But one policy that's very important in humanitarian and development work, I should say, is that although we are faith-based uh, organizations, that, but we are the humanitarian rule, we didn't do any, uh, any work because our our humanitarian is based on this uh, on the international uh, uh, guidelines like sphere. So we didn't we uh, we do our work. We serve people uh, to all the people, not because of their uh, religion or not because of their 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 other uh, social 
sectors. That's it. I'd like to respond in Chinese. Um, I think it's a very good question. But actually, I, I want to say that uh, in a disaster response, no matter uh, you're doing uh, I mean, the voluntary uh, work or disaster response work uh, is actually coming from the heart of people to be uh, willing to help others. It's also a very good spirit. Uh, in last year, I encountered uh, one person from Shanghai who went to do the disaster response in an affected area and asked him, you came here with no payment. And, um, it's a very hard and tough environment. Why did you come here? And he said, I just feel good about it. I want to help people. Um, and I think this kind of willingness is um, actually a very, very good spirit that we should encourage uh, in our society. So this is actually very much rooted in our traditional culture, Confucius, uh, Confucianism. And uh, we have the saying that, uh, we, um, to be a good people, you should love others. Actually, you know, this trip, uh, during this trip, uh, we visit Envold. Uh, uh, Do you know Envold is a national uh, volunteer organization alliance for disaster. Uh, we also visit uh, Maliland state level and uh, county level and uh, community level. So uh, those colleagues always remind us, uh, you know, there are so many face-based NGOs participate in the, in, the, in the I mean the process but at the same time they also tell us you know uh, because they deliver those humanitarian work without religion's intentions so it's uh, for us you know it's a good sample you know here empty foundation here so uh, uh, second question you know it's a, it's a good question because you know for us we try to you know uh, advocate, we try to understand what's the impact, how can we deliver such kind of, I mean, help or uh, not help, just help, it's a sharing, it's a learning opportunity, mutual. So uh, we try to, I mean, work with, uh, work with you, work with uh, our center to work with UNDP, UNV to create some uh, knowledge center or knowledge sharing platform to help our, our citizen, our ordinary people to understand when you play as an international or a global citizen how to understand each other, how to work with each other. It's not, I mean, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's, a, it's a long journey. Thank you very much. Okay, uh, next one. Um, my question is about the attitude, the government's relationship with the NGO sector currently and how it's going to evolve. And in particular, I think we all know that um, China is debating the foreign NGO law, which especially for foundations who receive much, much funding from outside of China is a serious concern. And I think a lot of people are also concerned that that um, implies that the government is not going to be very friendly towards the NGO sector in the future. Um, do you guys have any point of view on that? I, I didn't hear that news because my president Xi Jinping said uh, you are welcome to join us you know, if you try to deliver humanitarian work it's okay so so you know what we work with civil children you know so uh, so uh, I'm not sure so you know so uh, I think it's uh, it's okay because it's uh, you know at the same time you, you can have a look I mean those cases is try to uh, from transfer from a recipient to a helper, so it's I think it's a it's a it's it's a, you know it's benefit for us to learn from those international colleagues 
But you know, we we need I mean how to work with together. You know, each other. It's a I think it's a beginning. Um, I actually had a question also regarding um, the cooperation between the government and the NGO sector, um, in that how the cooperation and the recognition by government of NGOs is necessary. I think this is a common issue for countries all over the world. But I also wanted to ask for the NGOs that have received recognition by the government, is there a characteristic that stands out among them? Is that is that it's um, faith-based or that it has some kind of evaluation system? Or like what are, so what can the NGOs do themselves so that they seem more credible to the government? Like are there any characteristics? From the government, um, just or even looking at it objectively, or from the government side. Yeah. Thank you for your question. Um, I think in China, the government's relationship and uh, between the relationship between government and NGO uh, is forever uh, in tension. I mean, sometimes we have very close relationship with government. Sometimes it can be become very tight. But um, one foundation uh, to ourselves, we the reason why we can uh, register treated as a public uh, fundraising organization in China is also a kind of breaking through uh, in the policy. But uh, we are also now wondering, one foundation can do this, uh, if it's possible for also other organizations to do the same. Um, and um, right now I know that uh, there are also kind of change in our society. Uh, you know, now we have four cities in China, uh, in where the government has kind of loosened up the regulation for local grassroots organizations to register. Uh, so though for, originally in China, you have to attach to a certain government sector or a government uh, institute uh, before you can register. But in those four cities, uh, there's no such um, restriction. So you can freely get registered. Uh, and also, uh, I know that in some cities, the government has set up some uh, centers to support the growth of local organizations. Uh, in those centers, they provide services such as uh, to facilitate the registration of those organizations and also to direct fundings to them. And on the other hand, uh, the bigger organizations, foundations such as One Foundation, China Poverty Relieving Foundation, also, are also uh, making efforts to support the growth of small and grassroots organizations in China. Uh, but although there are still challenges for us, but we are making our uh, efforts. You have described an impressive growth uh, in terms of uh, number and activities of uh, NGOs uh, uh, operating in the field of disaster relief and disaster risk reduction. And I'm curious about the educational uh, and the training mechanisms, how staff and volunteers are trained, are educated, uh, how the educational systems uh, help to meet the growing demand for uh, qualified people in this area. Maybe I, I just give a brief about uh, our platform. Uh, actually, uh, from uh, 20, 20 and uh, 8, uh, earthquake, um, just like, um, maybe I think uh, is a very similar, similar to America in uh, 1969. It's the Katrina, uh, Katrina hurricane. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and uh, uh, many NGOs volunteers uh, went into the disaster uh, area, and uh, many uh, the uh, the resource the disaster uh, 
reduction resource uh, is in um, is in efficiency is uh, was very low. Yeah, and uh, made the confusion. Yeah, in disaster disaster area. Yeah, it's a uh, very well very similar in China in uh, 2008. And many uh, foundations and NGOs at that time uh, felt uh, we need we need a platform. But um, uh, after 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 uh, 2008, um, in tier two tier two uh, 2013, Lusan earthquake. And um, there are five leading foundations. Uh, the, the leaders of the five, five leading foundations uh, went into Lushan uh, earthquake area. They decided we now, we just uh, right now need a platform to improve the efficiency of the um, disaster response. So, um, yeah, just uh, two years ago, our platform uh, is initiated by um, first, uh, first in uh, five, uh, five, five uh, foundations. Later, um, now I will have seven members. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, the first year, um, we have um, not much ideas about how to improve the platform. Um, but for this year, and uh, not only uh, foundations and NGOs, but also uh, government departments, they all think it's very important. So um, we then we have this study trip, and now uh, Chinese government, uh, for example, the civil um, minister, they decided um, they uh, decided to plan the. The 13 five years plan and uh, uh, NGOs platform will be included um, in their strategy for the uh, the next the next five plans. So I think is a is a start and uh, a beginning for for us. Need a, a very comprehensive approach. So for example, we, we work with uh, CAG, the China Academy of Governance. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, work with the uh, Ministry of Civil Affairs how to have those local officials to understand why we need to work with NGOs. What's your function? At the same time, we, you know, as uh, the platform, we uh, teach each other, I mean, among the NGOs leaders and the practitioners because we exchange the idea, exchange the experience and the lessons, I mean, among those NGOs practitioners. At the same time, we will try to deliver some educational and program is very important how to involve like uh, some you know, scholars uh, how to give us some empirical study to to I mean, illustrate what's the pattern what's the phenomenon or how to understand I mean those social behavior change so I think it's a, it's a, it's a ecosystem which try to involve every I mean stakeholders so I have a quick question as a Chinese citizen um, to uh, NGO in China. Um, for a donor's perspective, do we know if the money is going to a China Chinese disaster or is it going to Nepal? Or who makes the decision of how much money goes to China and how much money goes outside of China? Because we know China needs a lot of money too. 
and the transparency of the organization. Uh, I think the situation is different from different in, uh, organizations. For MT, uh, we raise funds especially for Nepal earthquake. So all the funds come to this project we use, use to Nepal. And, and actually, even even there some organizations, they, they have some, uh, uh, some, some uh, donations that didn't uh, have some uh, certain, uh, how to say, uh, uh, certain uh, purpose. They, we will also have uh, uh, just uh, how to say uh, the audit report. Or the uh, for example, we have uh, we have uh, for the for the relief work for relief and rehabilitation work. Actually, we we now uh, the whole organizations we now have the uh, different report reports during different phases. Uh, the first phase is uh, is a report for the emergency uh, relief phase. So after one or two months, uh, we will we will report it. Uh, we will have uh, emergency report to provide uh, to in our website to show in our website and uh, uh, to show to the publics. And uh, during the first after the. F uh, First year, yeah, the, the first anniversary, we will have a mass report, and the second anniversary, we have a third report, and the uh, maybe last uh, last year, we will have, have the last report. Uh, maybe one point or Shelley will add more. So uh, for China Poverty Alleviation Foundation, uh, we raised uh, the funding for Nepal earthquake affected areas uh, together, so we didn't. Uh, differentiate the funding for Tibet or Nepal when we do the fundraising. And we made the decision within our organization that we would allocate 30% of our funds to Tibet response and 70% to Nepal. But the decision is based on the needs of the affected population. Uh, so it's like in this case, Nepal actually is more severely affected. And uh, in other words, if, if Tibet is more severely affected, we would allocate more funding to Tibet. Thank you. Last question. Hi, I'm a student from the University of Nottingham in China. And um, my question is that it has been mentioned that many international humanitarian works from China are faced with the public criticism that um, it has put the priority wrong, uh, that it directed um, fundings, which is necessary in China as well, to um, um, oversee um, the, uh, oversee disasters. And I want to know, how do you deal with this, um, how do you deal with this um, public criticism? Um, and has the environment changed this year? If it has changed, why? Um, are there any um, communication strategies to convince the public that it is also necessary to help um, disasters overseas? So in China, uh, with the development of NGO, we did go through the process that uh, the public at the beginning uh, questioned a lot about our fundraising efforts for international programming and international response. But uh, with the development of our uh, economy and uh, with the background that we now are kind of a middle-income country with the GDP 6,000 USD per capita, um, China should play a more active role uh, internationally. And for the public in China, the people's 
now actually have already started to realize uh, this uh, important role of China and also have the sense of responsibility and sense of global citizenship. So, uh, for example, in our this year's Nepal response, we have get we have received um, a lot of public um, donations. Actually, it accounts for eighty percent of our um, total um, fund raised for this response. Um, and the only 20% of our funds coming from private sectors.